I'm so excited to talk to you. What story are we doing today? Oh, amazing. That is a girthy story. But I'm the girl for the job. Call back later. Okay. <gasps> you guys, this week we are talking about Samuel and all of his prophecies from the book of 1 Samuel. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. And today we got Clara at the wheel behind the desk. What up, girl? What's up? I am really pumped about today. Today, we took some artistic licenses because we are going to take over the podcasting game, okay? Mm -hmm. For those of you guys watching the YouTube channel, if you think that the camera is crooked, you're wrong. We are artists, okay? We have vision, all right? We are not just like any other podcast out there, okay? We are changing the game. Tell them, Clara. That's right. That's right. They haven't seen it yet. You'll see it when the moment is right. Oh, 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 they haven't seen it. Oh, okay, great. So if you guys think that you're drunk watching the camera, <laughs> it's not. It's intentional. But we're the coolest podcast on YouTube, okay? That's right. Don't let the views fool you mm. <laughs> for now. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get there. I, dude, I told my mom, I was like, mommy, we just got to 3,000 subscribers. You know what she said to me? What? That is not a lot. <laughs> Anyway, thanks, Mom. Don't listen to her. My mom's the same. Don't. Don't. <laughs> thanks, Mom, you no. buzzkill. Anyways, Mama, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. How are you? Girl, I am. I'm. This week we have a very uh, like long episode, so okay. I definitely don't want to spend too much time on the intro because I want to dive right in. You guys, like I said, long episode. Grab your snacks. Get comfortable because it's going to be a long one. You may need to split it between days. Um, but we do have time for one listener question. Let's go. Now, let me grab it. Okay. Surprise me. What are they asking this week? Okay, let's see what the kids are asking. So I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to pick uh, an easy one because, <laughs> like I said, this week is a long episode. Uh, do you plan to give your future children biblical names? Yowza. Well, clearly not me. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, like, clearly you, not me. Like you naming your child like Zachariah or something. I, mean, I guess I could do David. That's like a very a lot. Matthew, David, Luke, Re Rebecca. Uh, I think I, I still don't think I would go for those names. No. Nah. Um, I'm trying to think. Actually, I said Zachariah. I lost my virginity to a man named Zachariah. Zachariah. <laughs> That's yeah. not even that common though. Zachariah. It's not. His name's Zach. Zach. Hey Zach, what's up? How you doing? What's Are you up? watching this? Yeah. <laughs> Great guy. We lost our virginity in a walk-in closet. I felt like a new woman. <laughs> I mean, that's hot. I'm not going to lie. It was not hot at all. Oh, okay. Not at all. Uh, we were both, like, drunk on Goldschlager. Um, I, I won a scholarship for storytelling. Haha. -ha. It was called Big Red Gum, and it was about losing my virginity in a walk-in closet. But I had to call it Big Red Gum because you're not allowed to talk about alcohol when you're a minor. Oh. <laughs> but um, he knew it, and I told the story around my city, my like, and I had to tell it to his students to like he he his um uh, school. We went to different high schools, and his whole like senior class heard the story too. Wait, he was a teacher? No, 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 no. Oh, we were both like in the same colleagues. grade. Okay, we okay. went to different high schools in the okay. same city, and it was called Big Red Gum. And I had to change some things, but it was about being drunk on Goldschlager, losing my virginity in a walk-in closet, girl. But in the story, I made it like. We made out for the first time, and he tasted like big red gum. All right, secrets out, Lynn, Massachusetts. <laughs> Dude, why, why am I like this? I just reveal too much. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Zach. And I'm sorry to myself, my future husband, and my mom who watches the show every week. Speaking of future husband... Would you name your kids after a biblical character? Thank you, ADD. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, maybe I don't know. It would depend on my husband what he would want. Uh, well, just kidding. It wouldn't matter. Um, <laughs> I we would uh, we would actually know what my first my son's name is going to be, and I've had this name 
chosen for years. I would want to name my first son Tobin. Oh, you said that. Yeah, yeah did I? You said that. Uh, yeah. Tobin is a bridge in Boston, and I used to. I mean, I just remember being like an a kid, a toddler, driving across the Tobin Bridge in Boston and back because mm. my my parents, both of them, worked in Boston, and I I just oh. I, looking at the at the Atlantic Ocean, like when you're crossing the bridge, it just, I don't know. And I also love the name Tobin. Tobin. I don't know what the last name is. What if you have a girl? Uh, Tobina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. I, I like the name Esther. That's a biblical name. For a girl? Is that yeah. a girl's name? Yeah. Esther? Yeah, there's some judgment. <laughs> no judgment. I just never <laughs> heard of this name before. Esther. Esther, it's also a... Sp- oh, like, Esther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was Astor as in A-S-T-O-R. I'm like, that doesn't sound very feminine. No, Esther, E-S-T-H-E-R. Yeah. Esther, yeah. Mm-hmm. Esther. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, maybe, but no, I haven't thought about that. I just really, I really want a baby boy. My dad had five girls and all of his other girls have granddaughters, like girls. So, like, I'm the last one. I would really like to have a baby boy and name him Tobin. So, you know what they say, right? To have what? a baby boy? What? Do you know what you got to do? What do I have to do? There's a secret for that. I have to have sex upside down? <laughs> what, do I, what do I have to do? Almost. <laughs> what? I don't think we can say that. Say I'm celibate. Who cares? What? Um, they say that if you have sex doggy style, it's more likely that you have a boy. <laughs> and there's like a whole science to it. <gasps> Oh my God, you're right. That is inappropriate. No, I'm kidding. Who cares? Um, wow. Okay. Noted. I will, I, I'll make a note of that. Uh, I'll have my people write that down for me. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that right now. Okay. In my head, Just, I don't even know sorry. if I know what to do. <laughs> Just like ever since I know that, I go through life and I see people like, oh, they just had a baby. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> I see what you've been doing. And if they're pregnant with two twin boys, <laughs> that was a lot of doggy. <laughs> oh my God, this is a Bible podcast. Okay, yeah, let's start. Okay. Um, what's the episode today? Anyways, so today we are going to dive into uh, our 10th book of the Bible Stories podcast. I can't even believe it. Episode 22, the 10th book, like... What? This is just, I, oh my gosh, it's a dream. This is a dream come true. Uh, and it's the book of 1 Samuel. If you'll notice, if you've been reading along, you know that there's 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Now, they originally were written on a scroll. All of these books were. But you'll see that 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel and 1 Kings and 2 Kings that comes right after. The reason why there are two is because the scroll was too big, so they had to separate it. And... Uh, This week, we're only going to discuss the first 12 chapters of uh, 1 Samuel, okay? And even then, it's a lot. Like, I was talking to Clara. Like, I I think I, I, once again, I bit off more than I can chew. And you guys know that I, like, begin to short circuit if I do a little too much. So if it's confusing, please uh, have grace with me and or DM me if you're confused or anything. Because there are a lot of characters we're introducing. So make sure that you pause or uh, uh, backspace, uh, replay it if you need. Like, go back 15 seconds take water breaks, like whatever you got to do. Okay. I'm here for you. Let's learn together. Let's experience God's joy together, guys. Now let's dive in to Samuel and his prophecies. Okay. So as we know, we just left off in the time of judges. So we know that the Israelites have fallen and they are experiencing intense oppression by other lands, predominantly the Philistines, okay? And it's important to note that if you haven't watched any other Bible stories episodes, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, jumping into this episode is going to be a little difficult. So I strongly suggest you watch at least an episode on Abraham, at least a couple episodes on Moses, and at least one episode on the promised land so that you're a little bit more familiar with the context of today's episode. So 1 Samuel starts off at around 1050 BC, okay? We are approaching Jesus, but anywho. Um, 1050 BC. 
And the book starts us off with a family. Well, not really family, a man and his two wives, okay? Um, his name is Elkanna and his two wives. Uh, the, one, the, the, the second wife has a weird name, Pendina and oh. Hannah. Okay. Well, I mean, Hannah's not that weird. Pendina is definitely weird. Penina. Penina. <laughs> yes, like yeah. Panini. Um, <laughs> Penina is actually his like the second wife. Side he doesn't chick. really care about her. Like when he would go out to eat with him and uh, with Penina and Hannah, he would give Hannah more food, oh, wow. more attention. Oh wow. But here's the thing. Penina had kids. Hannah was barren at the time. She wasn't able to have any children. She was so sad. And could you imagine? Like, Elkanah loved Hannah so much. He would even like, he knew that his girl was sad that he, she, she didn't have children, you know what I'm saying? And Elkanah even told her at one point, like, our love is so deep. It's that of having 10 children. I mean, wow. Give wow. happy. Like, get Bobby, but you know why he had the other chick. So, why? Because she was filling this gap. <laughs> I mean, Hannah couldn't have no children, so he just I had to. I know. But you know, at this time, having multiple wives was a common occurrence. So it's like, oh, I don't know. I, I, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. But okay. also, Panina was also like being super mean to Hannah. That's how you know you're dealing with a uh, capital B I T C H. Okay, <laughs> like it even says that she was bullying Hannah too it, because she didn't have any kids. Like, ah, you don't have any kids. Ugh, God. Wow. I know women like that. I know terrible. I know women like that. So. I know. Oh, they're typically ugly, ugly spirits. Mm -hmm. Anywho, so Elkanah plans this dinner, like dinner and drinks for his girls. And at this time, like the women had different tents and stuff too. Like he would, I, I'm assuming because Hannah and Penina weren't the best of friends, he kept them separate at different tents. And uh, he gets them boozed up and stuff and everything. Like it's a whole thing. And after Elkanah tells Hannah, like the, the whole bit about, girl, I love you. Like it's fine. You know, it's okay. I'll love you anyways, whatever. You know how men try and make girls feel better by saying whatever, and they actually make us feel worse. <laughs> like, I feel like this is what happened with Hannah. Like, he was trying to make her feel better, but you're not. Yeah, it, it happens. Yeah. And they try to, like, be thoughtful and delicate, but sometimes it's like, just fine. Don't say anything. I Don't, know. It's, it's fine. I know. It's like, I'd rather you not say anything at all. Mm. So... He, uh, Elkanah tells her, you know, you know, you're my girl. Like you ain't got nothing to worry about. So Elkanah kind of puts his foot in his mouth, trying to be a sweet husband. You know what I mean? Making his girl feel more comfortable. Hannah about not being able to have kids. But unfortunately she doesn't care, you know? She's still sad about not having kids. So she leaves the dinner and she goes to the tabernacle. And if you guys know from the book of Numbers, the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Leviticus, hello, Leviticus, the tabernacle is a sacred place, okay? And typically only men are allowed in there. But here we see that Hannah is in there crying I'm talking about like guttural cries with all her heart, crying to God, like, please God, help me have a child. Like, yes, I love my, my husband, but nothing compares to that. She felt like she had a longing, you know what I mean? Let's hop to scripture for a little more context. So we're gonna go to 1 Samuel chapter one, verse 11. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. She's kind of describing the, the vow that Samson has, that Nazarite vow. Mm -hmm. She's like letting him know, listen, I will preserve this child, whatever you need, if that's the vow that I'm that, that Hannah's making with the Lord. Like, llorando, crying, you know, like, please, Aww. I will do anything. Oh, and I hear, oh, you know, 
people don't know this. Hi, Tangi. Like pregnancy is actually harder than people think, especially after a certain age. Do you know you're considered high risk pregnancy after 35? I'm almost there. Okay, I did not mean to cause you any anxiety. <laughs> Girl, me too. After when you're in your late 20s, like I'm doing the math. Like I got to get to know a loser. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I got to get past a few duds <laughs> to get to the right one. I don't want to be like a a, a, a meanie. Um, but at this point, like you know, when a woman really wants something, especially something as as sacred as a child, like you'll go anywhere, you'll say whatever. And it's so beautiful to hear that Hannah goes straight to the Lord. Now, what Hannah doesn't know is that one of the high priests, Eli, from the tribe of Levi, you know that only Leviticans, only people from the tribe of Levi uh, were priests, was in the tabernacle too, hearing her cries. She was crying so much that he thought she was drunk. Wow. <laughs> he literally was like, drunk woman, can you stop? Like, why are you crying? Like, can you, not in here, okay? You also got boobs, so please take this outside. <laughs> and she explains to him, like, no, I'm not drunk. I just, I really want a kid, and I, I you know, I, I, I love the Lord so much, and I know that anything is possible with him, and I know he's a faithful God. You know, she, I figured if I made this vow, and him being a priest, a high priest at that, he kind of prophesies a little bit here in comforting a crying woman, and he says, the Lord is going to provide for you. The Lord is going to provide for you a son. And it's not going to be just any son. It's going to be a very important son. Don't you worry. Girl, let me tell you what happens the next morning. I think I'm picturing it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the next morning, Elkanah and Hannah get freaky licky 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 okay <laughs> and i'm not saying this because i said it's in the bible okay <laughs> it says that they get down okay it says that elkanah got to know wink wink we know what that means in the bible and the and it says that the lord remembered hannah and guess what she conceives Sorry. She gets pregnant after that night. Oh my god! I know she yeah. she gets pregnant, and we later find out that this baby, mm. his name is Samuel, ah, who would become the prophet Samuel. Mm. I know. So she is overjoyed. She cannot believe it. Actually, she can believe it because the Lord always provides, right? So. Her and her husband celebrate right, and then they provide sacrifices because, you know, when these things happen, you provide offerings for the father and whatever. And Elkanah goes off and provides sacrifices for, for our Lord, and she says, you know what? I'll meet up with you. Wait, wait up, because she doesn't know about the interaction she had with Eli mm. at the tabernacle. Mm. And mind you, this is obviously she gave birth, so this is nine months later. They, she knows that this is a special baby, and she knows that she made a vow with the Lord. So she goes to Eli with the baby and says, I need you to raise this baby. I made a vow with God. Like the vow was, if you provide me with the baby, I will make sure that this baby lives by and through your word. A servant for you and you only. And she probably put two and two together, you know, from that night. She's like, you have to, you have to teach this baby about your ministry. You're a high priest. Like, but please. And Eli, I'm, I'm assuming Eli's like, uh, okay. Like, takes the infant. Like, I'll take it. And he ends up taking in baby Samuel and raising him. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And he does. And Samuel becomes an honorable man under Eli's watch and under Eli's ministry and under Eli's counseling. Now, what is introduced now is that Eli has two other biological children, okay? And his children, the, the names are Phineas and Hafni, and they are losers. They oh. are so annoying. They're terrible. Who's the mama? Uh, uh, it, I, th I think they reference it, but she's not important to the story. Oh, uh, but she, th she's around, right? A Levite woman. And these two, Eli's two 
children, Hophni and Phineas, are absolutely atrocious. They steal from the people. They, um, the offerings that people bring to the Lord, they keep for themselves. They lie, they manipulate, wow. they're uh, sexual, immoral. They are immoral sexually. <laughs> there you go, my English, my English. Um, yeah, they're absolutely terrible. Wow. And the Lord obviously knows about this. So you know what the Lord does? Mm. He goes to Eli. You know, Eli is a priest, borderline prophet. So he has very intimate, close conversations with the Lord. But in this case, a man, uh, a man of the Lord shows up and tells Eli, your children are messing up. You need to demote them. At this time in Deuteronomy law, you could demote your sons. Because, you know, since Eli was up there in position, your, your sons end up becoming priests as well. Mm-hmm. But because they were they were exploiting their authority and they were terrible, that man of the Lord told Eli, they need to go. You need to demote them. Mm-hmm. Period. <laughs> Eli didn't do that. So right now, not only are Hophni and Phineas in contempt with the Lord, contempt meaning they not only are disobeying God and sinning, they hate the Lord's rules. That's different. Ooh. And by association, and because Eli did not pay attention and did not follow the rules, now Eli is under fire as well. And as you guys know from previous episodes, our Lord it loves us, and I always say it's flowery, but our Lord can be fiery, and our Lord is a just God. And the punishment for those in positions of power are far worse than they are for the regular everyday people. Mm. As we've seen before, that's been exemplified in other stories. When priests mess up, the punishment for that is far more grave than if a woman from uh, the land of Dan steals. Does that make sense? Mm. I mean, they have more responsibility, no? They should know better. Your job as a priest is to be a mediator between the Lord and the people. You're worse than the people. Mm. You gotta set the example. Exactly. Gotcha. For a little bit more context, let's dive into the conversation that the Lord has with Eli involving the punishment that we were just discussing. Let's dive to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 34 to 35. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be a sign to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. So here the Lord is saying, hey, by the way, your two sons are going to die on the same day. And actually he also tells him in that same, uh, I didn't read it, but in that same uh, chapter, the Lord tells him that none of your family will make it to an old age because of Eli not demoting his sons and not doing, he's basically cursed his entire line and that's what happens. Everyone except Samuel, obviously, because Samuel is doing everything by the book, by the T, and also he's not technically their family, mm-hmm. but also he's not them. Samuel is doing everything perfectly and respectfully and, and honoring the Lord, mm-hmm. making him really proud. So now we know that Eli knows that his family is in deep trouble. Cut to. Now, Samuel is obviously living with Eli, right? We have a scene. Let me paint the picture. It's late night, and Samuel has his first encounter with the Lord, okay? But unlike the time of Moses where, you know, uh, uh, our Lord's presence was palpable and you felt him in a burning bush. You felt him in flames in a thunderous presence. The Lord isn't really showing up like that. I think at this point, the people have really messed up. The Lord's keeping a distance. You know what I mean? But we hear him. Well, by we, I mean Samuel. Now, Samuel is sleeping. The whole house is sleeping. It's late night. And Samuel hears a voice in the distance go, Samuel, 
Samuel. <gasps> and Samuel's like, what? Hello? Eli, is that you? Eli calls back and Eli's like, Samuel, no, shut up. I'm trying to go to sleep. Go back to bed, kid. And Samuel goes, okay, I'll go back to sleep. Samuel. Samuel. Samuel wakes up. What? Eli, what do you want? Samuel, go back to bed. That's not me, crazy. <laughs> okay, fine. Jesus, I, I swear I hear Samuel, shut up. Okay. He goes back to sleep. Yo, Sammy. What? Who is that? Eli says, please. Wait, why do you keep waking up? And then Samuel tells him, I keep hearing a voice. Is that not you? Eli goes, uh, no. But because Eli is a high priest, he now knows, no, son, that's the Lord. So the next time he calls for you, you're going to say, how can I be a servant to you, essentially? The exact thing he says is, speak, for your servant is listening. That's what Eli tells Samuel to say in response now. Wow. So Eli goes, all right, Sammy, go back to bed. And once you hear it, you know what to say now. So Samuel goes back to bed and he hears the Lord. We're going to hop into 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 11 to 14. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His son, his sons, plural, blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Now, this is a great part to just pause real quick. God's faithful to us, and that is very much true. But here we hear God say, by the way, Eli's family is, it's done, like it's happening. He's basically confirming what Eli already knows to Samuel. And I know what you may be thinking, like, gosh, that's a little bit harsh, don't you think? Like, ooh. But here's the thing. God honors however we behave. We have free will. We had free will then too. The second you disobey, you've broken the covenant. We had a contract, but the second you break it, it's done. You broke the contract. You, you disobeyed. Does that make a little bit more sense? Mm -hmm. And by the way, this is obviously, I mean, I'm a Christian. Hi, Tangie. Mm -hmm. I'm a Christian. This is before the coming of Jesus, his first coming. So... This covenant was very strident. It's very like the, the covenant was not to be messed with at this time. I can only, excuse me. Wow. <laughs> okay, Alex, I need you to edit the part of me burping on the mic out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I'm never okay. finding a boyfriend ever. <laughs> so now that we have that confirmation from Samuel. Eli knows that Samuel spoke to the Lord. Eli says, Samuel, what do he say to you? Tell me. Samuel doesn't even want to tell Eli what the Lord said. Because <laughs> he basically said, bro, you're doomed. Uh, but Eli pulls it out of him. He says, just tell me. And Samuel tells him, hey, man, your sons are going to die on the same day, and none of your family line are going to reach old age. Like, it, that that's what the Lord told me. And Eli already kind of knew this from his interaction with a man of the Lord. So Eli actually accepts, he submits to his fate. Put a pin in that, okay? So as we know now at this time, the Israelites are under Philistine oppression. They go at war with Philistine multiple times, but this is the first time I'm going to discuss from the book of 1 Samuel. 
they lose. And you want to know why they lose? Because the people of Israel do not consult the Lord. They don't. They think that they can handle their own devices, that they can win, that they can win over this hugely powerful land, you know? They've, they, they have history with the Philistines, as we've heard from previous episodes, from previous stories in the Bible. So they lose their battle. And now the Levites, more specifically, Eli's sons, Phineas and Hophni, remember those two rascals? Mm-hmm. They were the ones running that loss. They were the ones that were like manning that, that war that, he, that they had with the Philistines, that first loss. Mm-hmm. That's those boys, right? They did not consult the Lord. So after that loss and all those casualties, the boys are like, oh, hey, bet. This time, let's just, you know, let's take the ark, the ark of the covenant out of the tabernacle and take it out to battle. Now, Let's dissect what the Ark of the Covenant is because I'm sure some of you guys hearing this may be like, what's so important about the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant is so important. I'm talking about from even the time of Moses. That's where the Ten Commandments are. That's where they're held. That's the Bible of the Bible. I mean, pre-Bible. It is so important. Okay, put a pin in this because then I'll describe to you how important it is, okay? Okay. So Moses had the Ark of the Covenant built to hold the Ten Commandments at the command of God. The Israelites carried the Ark with them during their 40 years spent wandering in the wilderness, remember? And it's sacred. It's so sacred that if you guys remember from the book of Deuteronomy, normal people aren't even allowed to look at the Ark. Only high priests can look at the Ark. That's how sacred this thing is. And Phineas and Hophni, Beavis and Butthead, take it to war. <laughs> they take it to war like, like a good luck charm. Oh. Uh, yeah. My. Yeah, and guess what? They lose again. And not only do they lose, they, like, 30,000 Israelites die. It's terrible. And guess what? But now, now that they brought the, the ark and they lost, <laughs> You think the Philistines didn't take the ark? The Philistines saw that and they took the ark. Oh, come on. I mean, if I was the Philistines, I would take the ark too. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Like, they, like if, how dumb are you? I'm but like, also, here's the thing. This is what non-believers don't know. The Philistines are non-believers. They don't, they don't have the same God. They don't mm-hmm. believe in that. So they, they, they think that God is in Isakaha, in that box, in the oh. ark. So they think that they captured God. <laughs> They're like, oh, snap, we got it. That's it, that's it, we got it. Got him. <laughs> Yo, but they're so dumb. God is like our sovereign God. God is not in that art. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so silly. He's watching from above like. <laughs> yeah, you guys are stupid. And actually, you're not even, you're, you're so stupid that the Lord, it's so funny because when they have the ark, the, the God plagues any the the area of the Philistines. I mean, you know, let's high t- actually this is not a high tangent because it has to do with the story. God knows that the that the people of Israelites messed up, right? And he's going to punish them. He's going to handle them eventually. But he's also going to handle these Philistines real quick, okay? So, anywhere the ark is, God puts a plague on them. Skin disease, tumors, um, a bunch of like they, obviously some of them it leads to death. So you know what the Philistines do? They pass it around different towns in the Philistines. The Ark, like they're passing around the curse. <laughs> just spreading it. Oh, yeah, oh exactly. So they realize that anywhere the Ark goes, that's where the plagues go. <laughs> and that's God being like, this is not where it's supposed to be, you know? So eventually the Philistines call out to the people of Israel. They're like, all right, take your, take your ark. We don't want it. <laughs> like, we don't want it. Take it back. So they end up speaking to some of the high priests with the people of Israel, and they mock up uh, an agreement. Okay. And the agreement is uh, we have to get the ark back, but you have to also uh, um, provide certain sacrifices. So they have to sacrifice, like, five golden mice, which leads us to believe that w- part of the plagues involved mice infestation mm. and stuff, but they, they required like gold mice and lots of other stuff as an offering for the, our father. 
And they also say that you are to put the 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 ark on kind of like a trolley, like a carrier, and it is to be uh it's to be led by milking cows. So two female cows pregnant or yeah. I mean or had just given birth, birth right? Yeah. But you know that cows cows are very primal. So those cows cows just know that they need to be with their with their kids, their kin. They would not they would not just take a trolley up thousands of miles to sure. the land of I think they went to Judah. I'll figure out, I'll look down and tell you exactly where guys. Sorry. Um but so you know that the reason why God commanded them to use milking cows is because the only way you could get a milking cow to move in the direction you want it to is God. Otherwise, those cows would go to their babies. Oh. You know what I'm saying? So once again, he's proving his power. Exactly, mama. Mm. How These are the things we're looking at. We're reading the Bible in a new way, okay? We are biblical scholars, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so... They handle that. They receive the the ark finally with the with the milking cows and the the Levites, the, the the Israelites are so happy. They're so happy that you know what they do? They sacrifice the cows as an offering. But hold on, that's common. Except, yeah, animal sacrifice is common at the time. Don't look surprised. Oh, listen, Peter. Like oh, you are cow? vegan. I am you? vegan. Sorry, Clara. <laughs> yeah, they weren't vegans at this time. Okay. I know. And they're milking cows too. Like. Oh, oh, it gets worse. Oh, God. So listen, once the Levites get the ark from the Philistines back in their possession and they sacrifice the milking cows, you think that God is happy or pleased? God is not pleased because per the laws of Deuteronomy, you're only allowed to sacrifice male animals. <gasps> They sacrificed female cows. So whether it be ignorant, maybe they didn't know. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. Whether they didn't know or they did it intentionally and they didn't care, either way, it's a sin. It's kind of like unrelated to this, but high tangy. It's kind of like, even if you don't know that what you're doing is not a sin, it's still a sin. Yeah, the same as law. Same exactly. Like you get nowadays a, law. You same. get a ticket for driving over the limit or whatever. If you're in a if you're in another city and you don't know what the limit is and you're driving over, you're still gonna get the ticket, mm -hmm. even if you don't know. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what happens. And God is pissed. I know you're probably wondering, uh, what happened with Eli? <laughs> and let me tell you what happened with Eli, because it's. Uh, pretty grim. Eli finds out about the ark, but um, before the ark gets back in their possession, when Samuel tells him the news about the ark being stolen, Eli falls to the ground on his neck and dies. Oh my God. Se partió el cuello. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally how he dies. And I know I probably should have said that sooner. I jumped the gun because I get so excited telling the stories. But I figured, like, I can't continue the story without letting you guys know what happened to Eli. <laughs> I mean, no, this is sad. This is sad. Uh, so Eli dies. So now, you know, now his sons are dead. He's dead. Everything that God had said to them is happening. Of course, Samuel's a prophet. Anything Samuel hears from the Lord is going to happen. So there we go. We have the ark back. For, had Eli just waited a couple days. <laughs> just kidding. He was going to die anyways. <laughs> All right, guys. If you needed to stop the show, stop the podcast and like recalibrate, drink some water, Gatorade, grab an inshore, I don't know, whatever you have to do. Because I know that we've plowed through a lot of characters. Do that. But come back. Are you back? Okay, great. <laughs> what the heck is wrong I with me? I love that. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. But anywho, now we are back at square one, like cycles, back in Judges. 
the people are super duper oppressed by the Philistines. They go back to war with the Philistines. But now Samuel is leading everyone. Samuel is their kind of like unofficial but official leader. And everyone sees that since Samuel has been taking the reins over, over the land, there's been more camaraderie. There's been, you know, obviously there's a win. They win the battle with the Philistines, like the first one in ages. And the people are like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like, this is incredible. At this point, Samuel is now a, a, a priest, a prophet, and a judge. He's wow. doing such a great job. The only thing is, Samuel is getting up there. He's getting older, and everyone realizes this. There were no dummies. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen after? You're great. We know our history, though. So, like, what's, what's good? It turns out that Samuel's sons suck. They're just really crappy. They, they, they were judges, and they, they weren't great. I mean, nepotism doesn't always work, right? <laughs> so they go, listen, your sons suck. Can we get a king? They literally ask Samuel if they can have a king. <sighs> Let's hop into scripture because I kind of want to dive into this a bit. First Samuel chapter 8, verses 7 to 9. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. So what's going on here is that, you know, Samuel approached the Lord being like, hey, yo, the people want a king. What do I do? Like, they want a human king. I, I, he, Samuel tried to be like, you guys don't need a king. He tried to be like, you guys don't want to, come on, you only got one king. Stop it. You don't need that. And the people were like, no, we need a king. And the Lord was a little insulted because, <laughs> again, <laughs> the Lord is the only king. But the Lord said, give them the king to Samuel. Like, but you have to appoint the king. Mm. The Lord said to Samuel, you will be the one to appoint the king. Freely? Like, it's not going to be freely. His choice? No, uh, no, 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 no. Because we later find out that Samuel, Samuel ventures out to find the best, the, the most suitable king. Mm-hmm. In every domain you could think about. I'm sure he had like an America's Next Top Model of kings or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm sure he had like an audition process or something. Um, now, but I, what I wanted to make a note about was here, God feels rejected by them. And at the end of the day, it's a familiar feeling. In mm. here, like we, we understand that God has emotions. Like in my head, I was like, oh man, you know, we always think or feel God as being this, the almighty God, which he is. All these things I'm about to say, he is almighty, sovereign, the overarching authority of everything that ever was, the creator, the designer, the uh, alpha and omega. Yes, those are, he is that. But here we see that God is also personal and he has feelings. God is a jealous God. That's funny. That made me check myself out because in my head I was like, um, oh, so he's not that perfect because he has feelings. But then I'm like, wait, why is having feelings not being perfect? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Also, we're made in his image. He's not made in ours. Hmm. So let's not let's also not try and act like we know what his emotions are like. Fair enough. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like, it would be like a, a, like my niece who is five trying to explain to me what codependency is. Mm. Like, little girl, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. let's also not do that. But the more you read the Bible, you understand, oh, God knows so much more. Let me not even, let me, like I said, I think I said this before in another episode. It was a bar that I said, <laughs> but I'm going to repeat it back. Like, instead of trying to find the answers... Try and find God. Oh, 
You know what I mean? That's deep. You'll get lost in trying to find answers. You'll begin to doubt trying to find answers. You'll fall into, like, you'll get depressed trying to find the answers. So trying to find the answers and try and attain a relationship with God. Start to date God. Remove the romantic stuff from God, from dating. Like, date God. Get to know him. In an intimate way, we just said he's a personal God, right? Mm-hmm. Get to know him, and he'll show you him, you know? And now, we know that Samuel is in charge, but God greenlit a king. So now, he's on the lookout for the perfect king, who he later finds out isn't so perfect. But stay tuned for next week's episode for that one. <laughs> Anywho, he searches high and low, and then he goes to the land of the Benjaminites, like the the tribe of Benjamin, their territory, and he uh, uh, finds a a family, and he checks all of the children from this family, and God's like, no, 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 no. And then one of the youngest kids who was out at the farm comes in, and he is tall, Dark and handsome, baby. Just off physique alone, he's a physical specimen. At this time, biblical people, like the average height for men, like what was tall was 5'6 back then. How unfortunate. (laughs) What a time. So every man who's 5'6 is like, hey, we love you. (laughs) Just not me and Clara. Um, I'm be, I'm not normally this mean, guys. I swear. I get on a mic and I start getting saucy. <laughs> but anyway, um, this guy comes in and he is like 6'4", okay? Wow. Which at that time was like Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> and Samuel looks at him and he goes, what is his name? <laughs> and this man's name was Saul. And Saul was the guy. He's the new king? Well, he's the Samuel king. looks at him, checks it out with the Lord. <laughs> the Lord's like, all right, I think we got this. And also, he just like looking at him, he walks into a room and he looks like a king. Yeah, you know? a king presence. Yeah, just like physically, like, yep, that's it. That, that looks like it's it. So uh, Samuel ends up like scoping him out, you know, testing him out, poking, seeing if there are any holes in there. He ends up like taking him to this lavish dinner. He ends up giving him meals like a priest. Mind you, Saul was not rich and stuff, so he's probably like, what, we getting steak? Okay, you know, he's probably like, he's like, what? While he's walking down a road with, uh, so it's Samuel and Saul walking down together. Samuel says, okay, no, this is the guy. While Samuel and Saul are walking down a road, Samuel decides to anoint Saul. Kind of like informally, you know, he pours oil on his head and everything. And he says, you, son, are the prince of Israel now. Major! <laughs> so, of course, at this time, Saul's probably like, uh, what? Like, huh? Of course, Samuel is a prophet. So he pulls all the prophet strings out. At that point, um... There's a story about two donkeys that uh, Saul had been looking for or whatever, and Samuel says the donkeys are at their destination or something. And it turns out that the donkeys were at the destination, and there are other things. Because you know when prophets, or actually, or an angel of the Lord or a man of the Lord, if you ask them to prove themselves, they will. And it isn't uh, because you ask them to. The only time that I feel like God pulls those... I don't want to say tricks that God pulls those miracles out is to prepare someone for a mission. So that, that let's make that very clear. Samuel is going to do everything in his power to prepare Saul for this huge undertaking, the first King of Israel, right? So after all of these prophecies come true, uh, Saul is like, all right, bet, I guess I'm the king, right? 
So Samuel congregates all the people. So we already have the informal anointing happening, but now we're going to do a more public one so that everyone knows what's going on. Everyone knows like, they get to meet Saul. Saul gets to see the people. You know, it's kind of like an in, um, what's it called? inaugural, uh, inaugur inauguration. Yes, oh an inauguration, but biblical edition, right? So they, they, he congregates all the people and, you know, I'm sure that Saul gets his best suit out and everything and yada, yada, yada. You guys, Saul is late to the event. In fact, he's hiding in the bushes. Saul is so scared. He doesn't even show up to his own anointing, like his own inauguration, which let me tell you something. Saul is not off to a good start. Okay. Right now he is showing fear, doubt. He's reluctant. <laughs> not the best, but, but guess what? He doesn't hide for long because Samuel is a prophet. <laughs> so he knows where he is. <laughs> Oh my God! It, it's, it's just, just wait, wait till next week so you hear more about Saul. He's shy. He's he that. But, here's the thing, like, not the time. You know what I'm saying, like, bruh, you gotta show up for your inauguration. It's all about you today, honey. Yeah. <laughs> like, could you have imagined if like Joe Biden like showed up to his inauguration and, like broke a hip there? It's like, come on, dude. You're supposed to be the commander in chief. <laughs> Who are you commanding? Right, because as a king, you're about to rule this shit. Exactly. Yeah, true. So once we find where Saul is, shows up, Samuel writes down all of his duties, preps him one last time, and Samuel knows he's no longer in charge. He's got to pass it down to, to our boy Saul. But it becomes easier to do at our next battle. Now, the king of the Ammonites, and for those Bible listeners, the OG Bible stories listeners who remember our, our stories about Moses, if you guys recall the, the Ammonites, they were right outside where the Transjordan line is. Moses and the kings of years, past, generations past, had this deal going on, and that's why they laid tight, they laid quiet for a, for a minute. But now we hear that they have been ruffling feathers with the Transjordan Israelites. Transjordan meaning the ones that are technically uh, uh, by the Jordan, like outside of, the, uh, of Canaan. He's been messing with two of the tribes. Not only messing, guys. The, the king of the Ammonites, Mahash, orders the Ammonites to gouge the right eyeballs out of all of those in the Transjordan territory. But guess what? Like a couple thousand of them end up escaping, like fleeing. And they end up fleeing to the north, uh, the land of the Manasseh, I believe. I hope I'm right. I'll leave a comment if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they end up leaving. And word gets back to Saul. And... They're like, dude, they're gouging our eyes out. Ah! Um, the Ammonites end up finding the, that group that escaped. And they're like, we are about to gouge your eyeballs out, just like your brothers. <laughs> and they go, okay, wait, before you do that, let us do something. So they stall. What they're really doing is getting word back out to Saul, the king, right? Mm -hmm. And Saul becomes possessed by the Holy Spirit because what we discover from all of these kings is just like with the story of Samson and Judges, their strength is brought in by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit only. So all of a sudden, Saul feels that Holy Spirit pump in, kind of like pre-workout. <laughs> like, yeah, like he feels it for the first time. Let's dive into scripture. First Samuel chapter 11, verses six to eight. When Saul heard their words, the spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he burned with anger. He took a pair of oxen, cut them into pieces and sent the pieces by messengers throughout all Israel proclaiming, this is what will be done to the oxen of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel. Then the terror of the Lord fell on the people and they came out. Once he sent those oxen out, it was basically like a call, like a Batman light. The Batman sign. 
We got to show up for our people. We're about to go to war with the Ammonites. Let me tell you, the Ammonites go book. But unfortunately, the Israelites come prepared, baby. And the Israelites win <gasps> under Saul's rule. Yes. And let me tell you something. This has to be, this is like Saul's claim to fame. Like this is one of the only things that he's done that was like, like newsworthy. He was on the cover of every magazine. <laughs> like he really did that. The people were on board with our boy Saul. Congrats, Saul. Congrats, people of Israelites. You guys got to win. Okay, guys. The people of Israel are on a high. And our retired grandpa, Samuel, is so pleased. He shows up with a Hawaiian shirt, the coconut. He is like, hey, guys, how you guys been doing? <laughs> What's going on? He goes to congratulate everyone for their win and everything. He actually asks the people of Israel for a report card, kind of, on, on our boy Saul. Samuel goes, so what do we, what do we think about, what do we think about Saul? And the people respond to Samuel, he's great. He's an honorable, honorable guy. He's dope. We really, really like him. Of course. Of course Samuel knows they're going to say that. They're high off a win. But Samuel wants to get deep with them at this point because this is going to be his like proper retiring at this moment. And he lets them know, listen, I'm glad things are working out. But let me be honest with you guys. Y'all are all sinners in a real way. Like the worst way, actually. Like breaking a commandment level. And they're like, what? What are you even talking about? Why are you ruining the mood, uh, Samuel? <laughs> and he goes, oh, you thought we were going to forget? Remember when you guys asked for a king? When you asked for us all? You rejected our one and only king in order to have a human king to give you victories. You rejected the Lord. And Samuel tells the people, and you know what? If I'm wrong about that, fine. Bet, you got it. But if I'm right about you guys sinning against the Lord, the Lord will make it rain right now. No, I don't mean dollar dollar bills. I mean thunderous rain. And mind you, right now, it's sunny. It is daytime. It is the perfect time for farming. So if it rains, we know that that's the Lord, okay? Let's hop into scripture. First Samuel, verse 16 to 18. I will call on the Lord to send thunder and rain, and you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. Then Samuel called on the Lord, and that same day the Lord sent thunder and rain. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people were shivering with fear because they knew in that moment, oh, let's not get caught up on our wins here. It's kind of like with anything really, if you get too drunk off your own, like exalting yourself, you're actually, um, not helping your own predicament. You could be failing the next step or missing a couple chapters because you're too busy celebrating, you know? Like, aterriza, my mom always says, aterriza, yeah. ground yourself now, you know? I have a question though. What's up? If God was, like, if God didn't approve, why did they win? Like, because technically he let them win, right? Yeah. So if he didn't approve, wouldn't he have made them lose? Well, the battle? We've known that the Lord has had them lose. <laughs> yeah, but this battle they won, right? Several times, yeah. And I think that at this point, at this uh, stage in the game, Saul had to show up for the people. Hmm. And who knows? Maybe Saul was just a pawn at this point for 
um, maybe giving the people some sense of encouragement. I don't have the answer to, to that, if I'm being honest. Hope If someone in the YouTube comments can answer that, I'm not too sure. But intuitively, when you're saying letting, actually they, they let, they let, I wanna remove that from our vocabulary too. It's not about letting, it's about God, if the people are obedient, God is just going to be a faithful God. It's already happened as it were. God is a faithful God. If you are obedient, there's no resistance. God yeah. is only doing what was already written in the cards for you. Nice. When you don't obey, that's where we have issues. Anytime they lose massively, the people have fallen in a real and serious way. Hmm. Or they have not consulted him, or they think that they are uh, strong enough with their own devices to do things, that's when they lose. Fair enough, and to be fair, he did approve of the king. Yeah. So that's yeah. why he kind of allowed these wings. Yeah. He, he approved of the king, okay, fair Listen, enough. Listen, and he approves of broken people a lot. Like a lot, a lot of these heroes that we see are actually so flawed. I think that's why they're so beloved because we see ourselves in these heroes They're and then relatable. we can be our heroes in our own everyday stories, you know? Mm. You know what I mean? Even villains in movies, when we see villains that are that 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 you see uh qualities in them that we have as well, you empathize with the villain even more. Yeah. You know, it, it um so yeah, that's a yeah. good question though, Clara. As you can imagine, after the thunder and rain, the people of Israel are really scared. And they go Wait, Samuel, before you die and leave us, hold on. Wait, is it too late for us? Did we mess up bad? Are we doomed? At this point, now that it's confirmed that they sinned, now they're nervous. And Samuel, after their history lesson, you know, because at every farewell that every major uh, biblical character has, they give you a rundown of the history thus far. And Samuel also does that for them. But he also reassures them that it's never too late to repent. It's never too late to seek God. Let's hop into scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 24 to 25. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. So in a nutshell, he's basically saying what every what Moses said before him, what Joshua said before him. Fear God, follow the commandments, and you will be liberated. It will be freeing. <sighs> Damn. It makes me think of all the times that I've rejected God. And it, like clockwork, I, I, don't, I don't know it then when it's happening, but now looking back, anytime I've turned my cheek to God or my prayers, or even before I was praying, before I even knew what prayer was, anytime I would uh, reject even myself, things I intuitively knew were true, like being with bad boyfriends, being with bad people, like th th these things that you know are bad for you. Mm -hmm. And you keep doing it and doing it, inflicting the same wound, opening up the same wound, putting salt on that wound. Like every single time you do it, it's like, why? Why do I wanna, why do I wanna inflict more pain on myself? When does it end? And I mean, fortunately, now I know that it ends the second I put my eyes to Jesus. Like, but whatever that guidance is for whatever that is, whatever that North Star is for you, like the second you put your eyes on it, it's like breathing for air. Like, oh my God, I know what was making me drown. Like, I know what was making me fall every mm -hmm. time. I'm never gonna turn my cheek again, <laughs> you know? Ugh, it's hot. Sin is hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not in a good way. Moral of the story is, it is never too late to seek out God. Despite our shortcomings, God doesn't reject us. 
I mean, Christians understand that a great king has already paid our debts. God already knew that at the time of Samuel. He knew we were going to be all right. And sure, God is an emotional being. When Israel rejected him by begging for another king aside from him, that stung. But like he told Samuel, he was still pleased to make them his own. He is still pleased to make us his own. Yeah, he has his grievances when we deny him. But that doesn't stop him from loving us. Like a young child that brushes their parents off before school, embarrassed to be kissed goodbye in front of their friends. God knows our hearts. And God is always faithful. How refreshing. To know that even when we turn away, he's still there for us. God, there he is. Oh, man. Oh, God. Hey, Father. Wow. Yeah. I love you. He loves you, too. I can't stop. We may need to do that again because...